I ain't gonna expose. I'm not like that. I'm not a snitch. Virginity. Mm-hmm. Hush, hush, stop. Yeah. They love me. Let's see if your parents raise you. It's deeper than the physical. What up, fam? Yes. <laughs> Welcome back to the juxtaposition, everyone. All right. Introduce yourselves. I am Nikisha Pennant. And I am Marlon Pennant. And how did you guys meet? We actually met here at Christian Center Church, um, actually in this room that we're recording in. And uh, it was a young adult's Christmas party that he had come to play uh, with the band. A mutual friend of ours, Nathaniel, actually uh, had him come out and um, they played. It was it was really fun. It was a good night. I think that was one of the first times we actually had like a live band come in for one of our events. So it was really nice. And I like to say that that was the night when he saw me. It was love at first sight. I, that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. He can't disagree. Um, yeah. So by the end of the night, uh, we were cleaning up, and he was leaving. And we were just saying bye to all the musicians. And he was walking around the corner. And uh, he nearly tipped over because I had said something to him. And he like leaned back to, to make sure he saw he was able to say bye to me. Or he, I said something like, make sure you guys come, uh, come again or thanks for coming. He's like, yeah, 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 no problem. But he had his bass on his back. And he, he almost tipped off t- backwards. Am I telling a lie? No. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, after that, we just got into, I got into contact with Nikisha through um, Nathaniel, and um, yeah, it, it just, we just kind of just started talking from there. I, like, I would be at church, and you know, she, I would see Nikisha, and then she would say that she was going to a play or something, and I'd be like, and, and I would just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm and she'd tell me where it is, and then I, and I would say, "Oh, well, I'm going that way. You know, I'll drop you off." And and I only did that because I liked her. I just wanted to have more time with her, spend more time with her. So um, it worked. I thought that was very nice of him to. But this was after we had already spoken. I think the first time yeah. we spoke on the phone, we ended up talking for like four hours or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And then it started uh, snowballing. From yeah, there. and then ever since that phone call, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's he's a pretty cool guy." Uh, and then a few other times he came by church and he offered to bring me somewhere. And I was like, oh, that's nice because most people don't offer to drive downtown. No one wants to drive downtown Toronto for any reason, much less to just drop somebody off, right? So. And yeah, that's the story of how we met. Got brownie points for that. <laughs> that's the story of how we met. How did both of you guys know that? Well, for Nikisha first, how did you know that Marlon was the one and Marlon? How did you know that Nikisha was the one? Hmm. The funny thing is, is during when we were dating, it was kind of, we were not officially dating yet, mm-hmm. but we were still, I guess, talking to each other. Uh, and there were times when there'd be moments when he'd be like, okay, well, maybe this isn't working. Uh, so maybe we should take a break. But then I would be uh, just very adamant about, not, not very adamant, like there was something within me that knew that I couldn't let him go. It was really weird, like not in an, not in a, an obsessive kind of way. I truly believe that um, it was more so, if I don't take care of him, 
then who's going to take care of him? I felt like I had to be the one to make sure that he was okay. Um, even if we weren't in like a romantic relationship, I just felt like a, a very, um, a very intense, I guess, feeling to kind of stay with him and make sure that he was okay. Yeah. And I, I knew that Nikisha was the one because um, it, it was more of it was more of a spirit led thing. You know, I knew that she was I knew that she was the person because it it, it God, God was just leading us in that direction. And, and yeah, I guess that's there's more to it. But he tried to leave me a few times. <laughs> He tried to leave me a few times. But, but then, as I said, that, that feeling of, well, I can't let him go, um, it would always come back. Mm -hmm. I needed to make sure he was okay, because, more so in like a very protective way. Like I needed to make sure he was okay because I, I felt like if he would go out to be somewhere else or with somebody else, they wouldn't be able to give him what he needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, how long have you guys been married so far? Uh, come this March, so March 2022, it'll be seven years. Seven years, yeah. yeah. Seven years. They say, they say if you pass the first five or something The first like five that. years is usually when most marriages fail. Yeah. And I totally understand why they say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can totally understand why. It's hard, man. Uh, you, it's definitely a learning curve. Uh, I, I made a joke with a friend and I said, um, marriage is probably one of the most beautiful cons that, um, it's like a beautiful con from God because it's such a beautiful thing, but they don't really tell you how difficult it is yeah. and how, how ugly it can get. Mm -hmm. But because in a marriage that has Christ as the center, like he carries you through those moments. I honestly don't know how marriages survive without Christ because it's so easy to, to make your circumstances affect the decisions that you make, right? Um, yeah, the first five years for us definitely was difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you, I, and with other friends that I have, I feel like we kind of all went through the same stage as well, and most of them have made it through and are better for it. So I, I totally agree with the first five year rule. Yeah, yeah. So how many children do you guys have between you two? Uh, we have four boys and one girl. Uh, Liam and uh, Eli, they're both twins. They're turning seven. Uh, in August, and then we have Micah, who is, he's five. He's turning five yeah, in he's July. Fi he's turning, turning five, five in, in July. July, yeah, five, sorry, turning five in July. And then we have Noah, who's turning three at the end of this month. Mm -hmm. And then the baby girl, Noah. Or Naomi. Naomi, sorry, <laughs> Naomi. Baby girl, Naomi, she's, um, she's here in the studio. She's actually here, so... And if she's quiet, <laughs> she's that, quiet. That, that's right? how you know we've she's, done a good job as she's parents. She's quiet right now. So if you hear anything, 
It's the baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys always plan to have five kids? Or was that your desire? Uh, we never planned to have five kids. So the way, the way we had kids, we started having kids is that we had kids out of wedlock. So we had twins our first time when we had children. So we were pregnant before we got married. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of actually what kind of, um, not, not that it kind of ensured that we were married, married cause we didn't, we really didn't get married cause the kids, we, we really got married because we knew God was leading us in that direction. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, the baby's kind of just fast tracked. Yeah. Yeah. Fast. <laughs> it, it kind of just fast tracked. And, um, I, and, and you're, your, your question, your question, the question is, um, uh, if we, if, how did we decide to have five children? Yeah. We always knew we yeah. Five so children. once we have the two, we realized that, well, why not just have more? Why, why not? We had two one time and one of our children is actually di disabled. Um, one of the twins. So it's almost like we had every in these two children, we had every possible scenario. And we looked at everything and we said, but everything is still fine. Mm. So why not have more? So this is how, this is the natural progression of how we had more. And after we had um, uh, Micah now, our third child, we said, um, What's the one, we always ask older people, what's the one thing that they regret the most? And always they say that they regret not having more children. Mm. So we said, you know what, let's just listen to the wisdom of elders and just have our children. And we went and we, we, were, we, well, we had well, Noah after that. And then after I that, said I was done. We, she, she the baby fever is real. The baby fever is yeah. real, and it kind of, it came back in yeah. full force. And then we had another one. Yeah, just have another yeah. baby. And then, but then we realized that baby, <laughs> we don't have to worry about like through that experience. We were living in an apartment. I lost my job. Mm -hmm. God gave me another one. We never ran out of money. We never ran out of food. And then we realized it really doesn't matter how much children we have. Like God always provides mm. and there are people out there who are in situations where um they're they're in dire situations and they have a lot of children what do you say about that even then even then even in their dire situation god still provides mm. god still provides so um that's that is how we decided to have as many children as we have now i just wanted more so yeah. we had more. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I'm okay now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay now. I actually really, I think I'm okay now. Yeah. I, being a mom, it's, it's wonderful. It's a challenge, but um, I think I'm okay only because I feel as though I'm ready to enter a new stage of motherhood that is separate from um, always caring for an infant. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also takes a toll on your body. So physically, my pregnancies are uh, a bit challenging on my body. So I think I'm, I think I'm ready to give my body a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I'm not opposed to having more children because I can always adopt more. Right. But in the sense of me birthing children, it's been a blessing and it came really easy for us. But I think I'm, I think I'm okay to say I'm done in that sense. But then, you know, just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. You never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now being married for seven years now, how has your relationship with God, including kids now in the mix, how has it, how's the dynamic changed since being single and on fire for God and adding all the other you know, responsibilities on mm-hmm. top of you? Yeah, it makes it, um, it makes it, it, get, it makes it more pressing. Like your walk with God is more pressing at that moment when you have children because your main focus as a parent is to um, reflect the image of Christ. So y- y- what, what it does is that there are people who God has entrusted to you and they're watching you. Mm-hmm. So as they're watching me and my wife, what they, ha- what they see, they can't really see another one of me they have to see like the image of God. Um, like the, they have to see the image of God. And that's, that's what we really, really want for our children to see. That's what we want them to emulate. So our walk with God gets deeper because we want more than ever um, the image of Christ to be seen in us or in, in our children. <laughs> And there she is now. Come. Okay, okay, okay. There she is. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, here she is. Okay, okay. <laughs> but we're not. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe she could be a part of the interview. There you go. Let's see if she'll sit nicely for a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, And I would also say that uh, God has been the foundation of our marriage uh, because uh, as Marlon mentioned, we we did get pregnant before we were married. So that came with a lot of challenges in terms of acceptance from a lot of the people around us. Also for various reasons because not a lot of people knew we were seriously dating. Um, so for it to be a surprise, hey, we're pregnant, and hey, surprise, we're going to be getting married, um, that didn't go over well with a lot of our friends and family, which is fair, because it's, it's a very big step, and it's very... Okay, we're going to have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> we, can ask, we can ask that question can, over again. Yeah. <laughs> Today we see a lot of people giving advice and a lot of people getting divorced. So from your perspective, what does it take to have a successful marriage? God. Yeah, you have to, <laughs> uh, you have to really be intentional about putting uh, Christ first and striving to, I guess, just emulate like the fruits of the spirit. Um, and there she is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, justice, and 
Faithfulness, Genesis, and Self-Control. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah, I remember yeah. the kids' songs, how can you remember? But all of those things, um, and being, being able or being humble in pretty much every situation because as, as people in a relationship, uh, we go into marriage thinking it's gonna make us happy, thinking our spouse is gonna make us happy. Um, so when that doesn't happen, we feel as though they failed us. Uh, and that's usually the moment when we have to take personal responsibility and understand that marriage is not so much about making us happy as individuals, um, but working together to create something that is pleasing to God, and that brings honor and glory to God. And we can only do that with Him because as individuals and as humans, we're always self-seeking. Uh, we want to feel good. We want, as women, we want to feel cherished, and we want, always want to feel as though our husbands are taking care of us and protecting us, which is what they do. Uh, for the most part, and as husbands, like they, I, I realized very, um, like throughout the marriages, they really need to feel supported um, and respected and, uh, what's the word? Like they want to be encouraged, encouraged. Uh, which for me is difficult sometimes because the love language is different. So he loves words of affirmation and, and uh, touch and being cuddly. And he'll say, I love you to me like five times in the day for no reason. Uh, for me, my love language is um, acts of service. Um, so that's where we kind of clash. But uh, just in order to have that successful marriage, you have to be aware of that, like the love languages, and also be aware that you have to be humble enough to put yourself outside of pretty much every situation and every argument, and be willing to work with the person and meet them where they're at. Um, I think a lot of the tension that we had in our marriage was because I was expecting him to be something that I wanted him to be, and I wasn't looking at what he was doing and who he actually was, and I wasn't looking at the fact that I was expecting him to make me happy. Um, so when I felt like he wasn't, things just didn't really go well. Um, I would be like really angry and nitpicky, and um, I would complain, um, but it got to a point where I realized that I can't look to him for that. Um, I guess, what's the word that I'm like? I can't look to him to make me happy. Like, it just doesn't work because if he does something one day that makes me happy and then he doesn't do it the next day, then what do I do with that? Then it's gonna turn into an argument or you didn't do this, you didn't do A, B, C, and D, so that's why I'm unhappy and that's why I'm not talking to you and that's why I'm miserable and that's why this marriage sucks right now because you're not doing this. But we all have to be willing to take personal responsibility and be humble enough to, to just look at the bigger picture and be like, okay, but what am I doing? Um, 
Am I doing all that I should be doing? Am I leaning on Christ to give me that sense of fulfillment and happiness and joy that I actually need? Because that's where it comes from. Um, because without that, it's just a never ending cycle because there's going to be days when he doesn't do the dishes. There's going to be days when I don't say, hey, you're doing a good job. There's going to be days when things just don't go wrong. Things don't go right. And you have to be okay with that and not take it as a personal attack because as a, as a wife and as a husband, like nobody intentionally wants to hurt somebody or make them upset. So if that's, a case, if that's the case and we're always upset or someone's always arguing, we have to look and be like, okay, but why is this happening? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Right. So can you share anything, like one to two things actively that you guys do in terms of other than God that you guys do to keep the marriage being um, successful? Uh, we try to make intentional time for each other. Um, Still a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we try to... Um, um, actually, I think that's actually the main thing, actually. Just making intentional time for each other. Because with the kids and everything, it just gets so... Uh, everything, every, all the focus gets... It's so easy to allow the focus to deviate away from each other. Mm. Because there's so much going on. So intentionally saying, okay, no, we're going to sit down together. We're going to drink a glass of wine mm -hmm. and just kick it back and just chill and just talk. Um, just because you're around somebody every day doesn't mean that you know what's going on in that person's life at that moment. Even if it is your spouse, you still have to ask like, hey, how are you feeling? Like, you know, like, is everything okay? Like, you got to ask those questions and be intentional about it. Yeah. What about you, Keisha? What do you do to keep the spice alive in your relationship? Spice. Um, um, to keep things going, I feel like as of late for me personally, it's just being content because there were a few seasons over the past couple of years, like last year was really hard for me. Um, and it goes back to what I said before about taking personal responsibility. So I kind of just let go of a lot of the expectations that I had. And I began to actually just look at the good things in Marlon and accept the challenges that he was go going through as well. Um, and I also prayed. I prayed for God to give me contentment because I felt like that is where I was lacking in that. The lack of contentment in my situation brought on a lot of anxiety and stress. And it pretty much broke me because I was just not happy. And I said, I said to myself, I have so much. And yes, it gets busy with the kids. Um, uh, being pregnant last year, and Marlon was working two jobs at one point, and um, the current living situation was, can sometimes also be uh, stressful, but I was still just not exercising any kind of contentment, and it was just, it wasn't good. 
So I prayed and God actually did answer my prayer. So I'm able to get up every day and just take things one day at a time and know that if for some reason I'm overwhelmed in this moment, it has nothing to do with the quality of my life or the quality of my marriage. It's literally, this is just an overwhelming moment. Just take a step back, everything is okay. Um, let the kids do whatever they're gonna do. Today didn't go as planned, it's fine. You just keep it moving. It's not the end of the world. So just being in, more aware, I guess, of myself and the role that I play and how I respond to my sur surroundings, that is one thing that I feel made the atmosphere lighter mm -hmm. overall, because I'm not as, I guess, miserable mm -hmm. as I was, mm -hmm. yeah. How do you guys deal with conflict? Yeah. <sighs> well, it's, uh, it's... It's gotten better. Yeah, it's gotten better. <laughs> and you have to understand when it comes to conflict, you have to know that uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's uh, let's wait and see and adjust as, as it goes. Because once you start to wait and see, and then you realize that, well, actually, the, we don't actually have a, a fight. Like, the fight really isn't the fight. It's, 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 and we learned this from um, our counseling uh, sessions as well, and, it, and, and it's something that just is true. It's one person feels disrespected, and one for person feels unloved. So a comment might be made and you're fighting over the comment, but really it's not the comment. It's, it's the fact that somebody feels disrespected. So I think it was something about, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, it was eggs, hard boiled eggs. Right. Yeah, so I had hard boiled eggs. I had made hard boiled eggs and we were leaving to go to church, I think it was. Yeah, this is one of the, when I was talking to you guys about right. um, trying to get out the house and I get crazy when yeah. we're trying to get out the house, yeah. So um, we're supposed to go to church and I had the hard boiled eggs and instead of peeling the hard boiled eggs, I put the hard boiled eggs in a container <laughs> and I brought them. Because as a man, we're just trying to get out the door, right? We're just, let's just get everything and get out the door. but. It My wife goes and says, silly you're supposed to peel them. Like, you know, you're supposed to peel the, the eggs. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not trying to, what because, do you mean? He like, said something along the lines of, oh, I thought we were rushing. And I was like, yeah, we I said we something, rushing. I said something. Like, well, we can't, well. We can't eat them we unless them, we, we unless they're How peeled. are we going to eat them if how they're not peeled? So right away, I, like, if you're not as sensitive as I am, obviously, but. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, whenever some things are said, I'm now like, but wait, I know that we can't, like who eats eggs with the shells on? I'm not a snake. Like, what is, what is this, right? So, of course I know you have to peel them, but we can peel them in the car. That's, what I'm, that's all I'm thinking, right? We can peel them in the car. And then now we're arguing about these eggs, but we're not fighting about eggs. We're fighting because he felt like I was implying that he was stupid. I was stupid that I didn't know that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and this, this is how conflicts start, but the way to really attack conflicts is to understand 
the root cause of the conflict. It is that someone feels disrespected or another person feels unloved. And when you can find the root cause, you can always go about fixing it because it's just a matter of you humbling yourself and saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean, I didn't, I don't want you to feel like you're stupid or something. You're not. Come on, man. I didn't mean that at all. And, and if somebody feels unloved, it's just like, man, I love you. Like, I'm so sorry I said that because now you can, you can see that your wife felt unloved by the comment that you made. And if you love your wife, you're going to feel hurt that you said something that may have hurt her. So right away, it's gonna, you're going to snap out of it and be like, I'm not going to fight over this. I'm going to apologize. Mm. I'm going to go and make it right because this is my wife I'm talking about here, you know? And yeah. he's definitely the, the stronger one when it comes to apologies. I feel like I learned the apologies probably within the... You're still learning. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> learning. No, I've gotten much better over yeah. maybe the past year and a half. So a year and a half out of almost seven years. It took me a long time to learn how to apologize, mainly because I felt validated in my feelings of discontent. Um, and I, I feel like as women and being the, the caregivers and the homemakers and having all those responsibilities, it's easy to feel as though we're doing a lot more. Um, it's hard work. Uh, it's very taxing, not so much physically, like a man will go out and work and that makes him physically tired. Um, women get physically tired, but also it's just like a mental, it's a mental fatigue that just kind of never goes away. Um, so having to deal with all of that stuff, like the mental fatigue, constantly being at home and taking care of the kids and then you have to take care of your husband and um, when you get to the point where you feel drained and you're kind of stuck and then you start to I guess it what's the word I'm looking for like you lash out in ways that are not conducive to like having a healthy peaceful home or relationship, you feel validated because you're tired. Mm -hmm. I'm tired, I've been taking care of the kids, I've been doing all this stuff, I've been cleaning, you don't help, you don't help as much as you sh I feel like you should be helping. Um, I'm always here, you get to go out and do whatever you want. Not to say that he doesn't allow me to go out, but just as moms, that's just how it works. Um, it just works out that way, mm -hmm. that you're doing more of the stuff at home. So I, don't, I felt like I didn't need to apologize because I was right, like I'm, I'm tired. So for, forgive me if I'm being short with you or if I'm not being as cuddly or as loving because I'm tired. So that's where my lack of apologies came from because I felt validated and I felt my feeling, my, I felt my behavior was valid because of the circumstances. But then that goes back to being humble enough to put yourself outside the situation and um, just apologize or work with the person and just remembering that you're on the same team. So even if it means that maybe he wasn't pulling his fair share of the weight in terms of the domestic duties or maybe you could come home after work and help clean up with this or maybe you could wake up early because you don't start work at this time so maybe you could be responsible for breakfast. All it takes is a conversation um, to get that sorted as opposed to just constantly being upset about it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so 
just to wrap it up, what is some advice that you can give to young Christian couples or young married couples that are going on that journey since you are seven years deep in that? Um, I would say get counsel from other healthy married couples mm -hmm. um, that are clear examples of what a Christ-centered marriage looks like. Mm -hmm. um, that is pretty much, like, get good counsel and have a good support system and a good example mm -hmm. of what a healthy marriage looks like. And mm -hmm. healthy doesn't mean perfect, because no yeah. marriage is perfect. perfect yeah. Literally, you could talk to every single married couple. And this is something that I tell um, pretty much all my married friends or all my newly married friends is like, I'll, I'll ask them, I was like, okay, so how's, how's marriage? Like, do you guys still like each other? Because a lot of people don't tell you that it, it gets ugly real quick. <laughs> Not to say it stays ugly, but you get married with the intention of being happy. And I feel like it's, it's not necessarily the image that we should be portraying. Mm -hmm. Not to say it's doom and gloom, because it's actually a beautiful and it's an amazing thing. But I would say just to have good counsel and know that marriage is not to make you happy. Yeah, I think that that, that would be my number one thing, too. It, it's... Um you get married like the bible says that um you know the god when he's talking about the bible when it's talking about marriage is actually like paul says i know that these things sound like a mystery but i'm actually talking about christ and his church so these our our union between men and women uh being married um it represents Jesus Christ and him being unified with his church. So the, the message that I would tell every young person is know that because once that's the bedrock, once you understand that your marriage is to please God first, there is absolutely no way <laughs> that you will get, you will there is absolutely no way that you won't be able to overcome mm -hmm. your adversities when they come. Yeah. Because you remember when you are like, like minutes away from taking your ring off and just throwing it in the river, before you even touch your ring, you'll remember that this isn't about me. This is about the glory of God. And if you are more serious about the glory of God than pleasing your own self, mm. never will you ever touch that ring. Never ever will you ever dishonor your wife. Never ever will your, a wife dishonor their husband because that wife or that, that man or that woman is more centered on the glory of God than anything else. Mm -hmm. So my advice to every young person Center your marriage around Christ, mm -hmm. like period, and your marriage will never fail. Yeah. And then just to end with, or to just top off what you said is, I know the what would Jesus do um, bracelet fad, and it just became like a thing, it became like a fad, what would Jesus mm -hmm. do? But actually, I do use that on a day-to-day -day basis when you get into conflict because it brings you back to scriptures. Um, if I'm ever 
And I do that with everything. Um, it keeps your spirit very sensitive um, and it keeps your conscience on point because in any situation, you ask yourself, okay, what would Jesus do in this situation? And it gives you perspective because it allows you to remain humble because in every situation he remained humble and he was able to put himself aside and just speak the truth or do something that was, I guess, against the status quo, whether it, it meant um, being forgiving or being gracious or, or um, um, talking to people who didn't necessarily deserve to be talked to right now. And that could be your spouse on some days. It's like, I don't want to talk to you right now because you did something to hurt me. But what would Jesus do in this situation? He would talk to you. He would talk to them. He would mm -hmm. extend grace, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So just literally just keeping Christ as the center of your, marriage, of your yeah. marriage and knowing that every other couple is going through the, the exact same, same thing. thing. You're not You're alone. You're not alone, and I feel like that's usually where the discouragement comes from and yeah. the hopelessness comes from. Like, everybody else is so happy in their marriage. Like, yeah. why, why are we going through this? Why is this so difficult for me? Like, how come he's treating me this way? Or why don't I feel good about my marriage? Like, literally, every marriage is the same. Mm. You talk to another married person, they will be able to finish your sentence yep. about how their husband did something crazy yep. and offended them yeah, or... Yeah. Like, they're just not happy in this moment. Like, we've all gone through the same thing. It's all the same, the circumstances, the colors, the timing, the seasons might be different, but for the most part, it's all the all same. same. So, um, misery loves company. Sorry, misery loves company. So when you're talking with married couples, it's, it's always nice to be honest about what you're going through mm -hmm. because your honesty about the difficulties of marriage could save somebody else from married. giving up yeah yeah right because then they'll be able to look at you and say i'm actually not alone yeah like this like, is actually normal it's a, it's a thing like it's a <laughs> thing because you're dealing with two remember you know i mean like everyone has been bought by christ and every single person has been saved but the, but really what we're really doing is that we're taking two sinful people and we're bringing them together mm -hmm. so your sin my sin mm -hmm. and her sin are now clashing yeah. together and sin is selfishness and all these kinds of yeah. selfish things come and clash together and so that's where you get this this uh, uh, hardship it's a, for, for lack of a better word when it comes to marriage but Christ is the one that breaks those things yeah. so for every single again for every single marriage person that's the advice yeah so Christ first. at the center of your marriage yeah. All right. Thanks for coming and gracing us on our stage. Um, <laughs> and that's it. That's a wrap. Nice. Perfect.